You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 277, Leading Through the Fruit of the Holy Spirit, Part 3. So we've been exploring this idea of how the fruit of the Holy Spirit should define and guide and and really be a, 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 a powerful source for our leadership and how these things that Paul describes in Galatians 5 really should uh, be an intricate part of our personality, um, of the way we do business as leaders. And just to remind you what they are, this is from Galatians 5 and uh, verses 22 and 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the Apostle Paul was giving these things to show, and he actually, he's contrasting it with another list, and this other list has to do with the the fruit of the flesh, or what our natural nature produces. And we, we read that before, and just to kind of pull out the ones that really have to do so much with um, what we see in the workplace are things like enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. And I, and I just described some of your workplaces. You know, that's probably what it's like for you to come to work every day, dealing with an angry boss or people who are jealous or strife or enmity or dissensions or divisions, envy, those kinds of things. But Paul says as a leader, um, you know, as Christians, really the fruit of the Holy Spirit should define us. And just because we move into a leadership role doesn't mean that we can turn these off. So this is uh, really important. So we've already talked about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. And so I'd encourage you to listen to the last two episodes if you missed those. And today, we're going to be jumping in with the last three. All right, well, don't go away. We're going to be right back. But I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Peter and Paul in Acts. Listen, if you're a student of the New Testament... Uh, This book needs to be on your shelf for several reasons. First of all, it's going to guide you as you read the book of Acts. It's It's a guide to help you understand what Luke was trying to communicate in the book of Acts. Uh, he focused on the, the, the Apostle Peter's ministry in the first half of the book, the Apostle Paul's ministry in the second half of the book, and he breaks down and tells us how they did ministry and what it what they did to plant churches and how they went about evangelism and 
Really a very, very um, powerful and practical book. But not only that, it gives you a guide and an introduction to both the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts and, and really kind of uh, provides a framework to understand these two important writings. So Peter and Paul and Acts, uh, check it out. There's a link in the show notes. You can go to the website. Uh, actually, go to Amazon. The link will take you right there. You can read a little bit of it and then click the buy button, and I know you'll enjoy it. Well, all right. We're talking about leading through the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the, the, the one we want to take up first is faithfulness. Leading with faithfulness. What does this mean? You know, in the, in the workforce today, uh, faithfulness or loyalty really seem to be things of the past. And there's a number of reasons for that. But, you know, when I went to work for the police department in the, the early to mid-80s, it was very common for people to stick around and, and do their whole career there. I mean, I worked almost 30 years and, and retired from there. Today, that's unheard of in the realm of public service. Most people go to a place, they work for a few years, uh, then they go somewhere else where they can make a few few more dollars, and then they go somewhere else. And it's the same in the private sector. It's, it's very, very common for people to jump from job to job, position to position, company to company, even in some cases church staff to church staff, looking for that, that better fit, that place where they're going to learn something else, that place where they're going to challenge themselves more, that place where they're going to make more money. And these things aren't bad. I'm not saying this is good or bad, but it is interesting to note, and it's important to talk about, one of the reasons that people will often give for leaving a company or for leaving a church or for leaving some other Christian organization is they didn't feel um, that the loyalty was reciprocal. I mean, you'll hear management talking, you'll hear leadership talking all the time about how the, the workers, how the people need to be loyal, how, how people need to be faithful. But, you know, it, it's got to be a two-way street because if, if the people show up every day to, to work, of course they're doing it for a paycheck, but it's got to be more than that. If there's no loyalty from, from the management, from the leadership team, from the owners of the company, from the pastors, from the leaders, then how can we expect those who work there to be loyal to us? How can we expect them to be faithful to us? So, so there's got to be this, this reciprocal loyalty, this reciprocal faithfulness. It's got to be a two-way street. So as leaders, how do we demonstrate this faithfulness? Um, one of the things that we can do is by being honest. Uh, the worst thing that we can do is to keep our people in the dark and often uh, management loves to do that. They want to keep people in the dark about what's going on in the company. The smartest thing we can do is be as transparent as we can possibly be without giving away confidential information. But uh, being honest by providing uh, you know, a good living wage for our people, by investing in our people. Uh, one of the greatest things that a management team can do is invest in their people. Providing, providing them with opportunities to continue to develop for promotional opportunities, uh, in some cases paying for their education. Uh, I was always amazed uh, when I worked for the police department, um, the fact that where I worked, there was actually a tuition reimbursement plan. What a brilliant way to invest in your people. Now, sadly, not that many people took advantage of it. I did, but, uh, but uh, so many others didn't. And it was 
amazing to me. This is a great tool for a company or an organization to say we believe in you. Um, providing ongoing training, uh, providing opportunities for um, rest and refreshment, getting to know your people. We talked about love is, is the very first fruit of the Holy Spirit. And as a leader, having a, a, a compassion, having empathy, having love, having genuine concern for your people is, is one of the ways that we show faithfulness as well. So um, not only do, do, do we expect our people to show loyalty to the to the organization, but we also show loyalty to our people. And when, when the leadership team can do that, you're going to go a long way towards retention. And, and, and obviously in this marketplace, in this workforce today, there's always going to be a certain amount of turnover. That's just kind of where we've gotten to uh, culturally. But at the same time, if, if we create a culture of loyalty and a culture of faithfulness, we're actually going to cut that retention down. We're going to make it much easier to retain people. And uh, that, that corporate retention that is going to be much greater, in, at least hopefully, in our organization. So faithfulness. The next one is gentleness. Leading with gentleness. Well, I think we could say maybe the obvious, uh, the obvious, the opposite of gentleness might be heavy-handedness. When we're talking about leadership, maybe you've worked for that leader who was just heavy-handed. Um, every time they talked to, to their people, you felt like you were being talked down to. Um, they used pressure. They used guilt. They used shame. They used the threat that if, if you don't keep doing what I want you to do, if you don't keep performing at a high level, you're going to lose your job. And, and, and this is heavy-handed. This is not the fruit of gentleness. So what does gentleness look like? One definition that I found means to exert influence without asserting formal authority. Catch that again. We're talking about leading with gentleness. Well, if you're a leader who, who, who has to guide a team or an organization and you want to do it with the fruit of the spirit of gentleness, we exert influence without asserting our formal authority. In other words, I don't have to say I'm the boss. I don't have to remind people of that. Um, I exert influence and because I've created a culture of, of understanding and people know I'm the boss. And um, I don't have to go around constantly reminding people that, hey, listen, I'm the boss. You have to do what I say. So we, we get away from using pressure and guilt. We get away from using shame. We get away from uh, you know, making people feel like every day when they come to work that they could lose their job if they don't do exactly what we want them to do. That's not the environment that you want. Um, you want an atmosphere where, where people are treated with respect. And as the leader, as the boss, you do what you need to do. You lead. You lead strong, but you can still do it with a spirit of gentleness. And then the, the last one, the last of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, is self-control. And I think these are two very interesting bookends because the first one is love and the last one is self-control. And I think really if we were just going to um, say, you know, pull two of these out, these would be the two that I pulled out. Love and self-control. Because so many of these other things that we've talked about really could be even descriptors of what true love is um, for caring for people. 
Uh, because true love is going to be gentle. True love is going to be loyal. True love is going to express goodness and kindness and, and those things. But then we move to self-control. What does self-control look like in the workplace? Well, first of all, we're disciplined in our work. Um, as the boss, as the leader, um, I'm not just sitting back with my feet on my desk. I'm working. I've, I'm doing my task. I'm making sure things get done. Um, I'm exerting that self-control. I'm showing that, that I'm disciplined to do my job. Because how can I expect those who report to me to be disciplined if, if I'm not disciplined myself? So we're disciplined in our work. Um, we get to work on time or early. I, I, I may have mentioned this before, but I was always amazed when I worked for the police department before I started getting promoted at it, 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 the fact that, that I was expected to be at work at a certain time, but, but every now and then I'd have a supervisor that would drift in a few minutes late every night. And, and I couldn't understand that because if I was late, I'd get called into the office and, you know, told that I needed to be on time and threatened with being written up. So as the boss, we set the example, and part of the way we do that is through our self-control. We get to work on time. We, we do what we need to do. But it's also much bigger than that. Um, we use self-control in what we say. How many times have you heard a leader bad-mouthing another leader or bad-mouthing the management or bad-mouthing the owner or the CEO or even in some cases, if it's in a church setting, bad-mouthing the pastor or other leaders? This is terrible. This is horrific. This should never happen. We should exercise self-control over our speech. We should um, develop that ability to bite our tongues and watch what we say. Um, we don't vent in front of our subordinates. So there's self-control in what we say. Also, in how we say it, in who we talk to. We don't put people down. It's not to say that we don't joke and have fun, but we don't ridicule people. We don't single people out. Um, that's that's going to create a very unhealthy workplace. We've got self-control over our sense of humor, over our speech, and, and, and over our work. But then another way where we have to exercise self-control is how we treat members of the opposite sex. You know, when I work for the police department, uh, usually once a year we would have someone from HR come in and teach a three-hour block of instruction on sexual harassment and unwanted conduct every year. And, you know, I finally got to the point where every time they'd come in, i say, hey, I can teach this in five minutes, and then we can go home. And the instructor would invariably go, what? I've got all these slides. I've got all this material. How can you teach this in five minutes? And I said, well, it's real simple. You don't say anything to somebody else that you wouldn't want said to your wife, girlfriend, daughter, son, husband, whatever the case may be. You don't say anything that you wouldn't want said to somebody else in your family, and you keep your hands to yourself. That pretty much sums it up. And yet, I can't tell you how many times I've seen people in leadership positions shoot themselves in the foot because they... They don't know how to control themselves. They, they say um, the, the, those things that they shouldn't say, um, things that are uh, maybe sexual in nature or, you know, that off-color joke um, or whatever, but they say those things 
that other people find offensive. And listen, I'm recording this in the middle of 2020. We're offended about everything. People are offended about everything. They're offended about your Facebook page and your Instagram page and your LinkedIn and everywhere else. You know, people get offended. And so it's it's up to us as leaders to exercise self-control over what we say and what we do. And so, again, in, in, in uh, th- those who work for you, you have to hold yourself to a higher level of conduct. I can't tell you again how many times I work for the police department I see somebody throw their career away because they made a pass at a subordinate, they asked a subordinate out, or they said things that really they shouldn't have said that uh, were offensive or off-color or whatever, or they couldn't keep their hands to themselves. And then they were surprised when they were fired or demoted. And so, as leaders, we operate with self-control. So just a quick reminder, love, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these things, there is no law. So for us as leaders, these things that we talked about should define our leadership. They should be part of our personality. They should reflect the nature of Christ within us as we lead the people that we've been entrusted with. Well, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Go to davidspell.com. Leave me a question or comment in the comment section for today's post. While you're there, make sure you sign up to get my free newsletter so we can stay in touch. Well, friends, thanks for being with me, and I will see you next week on Leading and Leading.